Good evening, everybody. This is Jeff Morton with Dina Dye. Uh, we are returning to Eden. This is a weekly broadcast where we're always trying to encourage people to let's go back and look at what the Father was doing from the garden forward. And we have an exciting show tonight. We have uh, an announcement to make, which I'm really, I'm really stoked about this one. As they say in the hood, this <laughs> one made my day. <laughs> Dina, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Jeff. Other than the escape con that's a mile from my house and the police presence that's surrounding it, I'm great. Yeah, no, that's uh, Dina was telling me before uh, we we come on a half an hour before the program, everybody. And we kind of get everything together, but she's got uh, what'd you say, FBI, sheriffs, police, all kinds of people surrounding your your neighborhood as they look for this escape convict. So we're just Keep her in prayer and keep her house and neighbors in, in prayer uh, that nothing bad happens. Amen. Uh, we are loaded for bears, so don't worry. <laughs> good, good. There you go. <laughs> I love that conservative attitude. <laughs> uh, well, so, Jeff, you, uh, you want to share our, our news here? We, we are very excited about this. Hopefully you're as excited as we are. But. Yes, what happened was... Um, Dr. Tina Dye let me know that she was going to be in my neighborhood in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, she has family in the Portland area. And I thought, well, my goodness, can we have you come up here? And so we talked about all of that. And I thought, well, let me just go ask El Shaddai Ministries if they um, make them aware that you were going to be in town. And I did so. And Pastor Mark thought, wow, that might work out really well because He's uh, getting back from uh, the Alaska trip on the 15th, late on the 15th. He said, I said, well, maybe you can ask her to speak at El Shaddai. Would you be willing to do that? And he said, that's an excellent idea. Let me talk it over with the board. And so uh, that's a couple weeks ago. We had this conversation. He contacted me this week and said that the board had made a decision. And so Dr. Dina Dye has been invited to come to the Pacific Northwest to speak for two services at El Shaddai Ministries on Shabbat, which is September the 16th. So it's kind of a quick trip in and then back to visit her family and grandkids and whatnot. But I'm real excited because I was trying to figure out how to get her back up here, and El Shaddai kind of grabbed the banter and took off with it. And I'm just really, really excited. So, Dr. Dina Dye, you're coming to uh, Tacoma. Yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, this is a high honor for me. and. And I'm really grateful to um, Pastor Bills for, you know, the trust, because I know the trust factor. And yeah. uh, I'm really looking forward to it. The Father's already given me, started giving me the message. I am not sharing it yet. But uh, it's, uh, it's really, you know, it's really a huge opportunity, and, and I'm just glad they, like I said, they put enough trust in me to, uh, to be able to share. So. Well, I'm Definitely glad I was able to ask the question and get the yeah. response that we got. In yeah. fact, I was talking to a couple of people uh, that I chat with regularly. One lady was from Idaho, and she said, well, if Dr. Dye comes to, to Tacoma, let me know because we will make the trip over there. And I thought, well, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that so, is. So you, yes, have a follow, so you have a follower, too, in Idaho. <laughs> All right, I got one. Yay. So, you know, if you know anyone in the area or you're in the area, you know, please come. Uh, again, it's September 16th. The first service starts at 10, and the second service starts at 1230. I'm going to be sharing for an hour, which is 
quite. Yeah. I mean, that's a long time. Actually, two hours because you're going to be doing right. two services. Yeah, I've got two two different services. So Folks, we do, are we are excited, and we feel like this is really big. News, very excited. So. I mean, yeah, have my co-host come to my neck of the woods is just it's yeah. an honor for me to see her again and whatnot and all that stuff. So I'm really really excited about it. Of course, El Shaddai Ministries will put all their information up. Um, in, in the coming weeks, and of course, I'm going to broadcast this and, and set a placard up and do all that stuff probably tonight. And uh, we wanted to make the announcement that Dr. Dina Dye is going to be a guest speaker at El Shaddai Ministry September the 16th on the Shabbat. She's actually going to lead the two Shabbat services that El Shaddai has. And so, uh, for all of you folks, we're going to have all that information on my website, Dina's website. Um, and, of course, El Shaddai Ministries is going to post some information in the coming days. So we're really excited, and I'm thrilled. I'm yeah. thrilled to be a part of that and also get to see you again. Amen. Well, so thank that'll you. Be Appreciate great. it. Appreciate it. So before we dive into our topic tonight, we do want to talk a little bit about uh, everyone's familiar with Rick um, and his ministry to the Peruvian girls. I remember Jeff went down there. Was it March that you went down? Yeah, I went down in March. Uh, was it March? Who can remember? I think yeah. it was March. Okay, who can remember? Anyways, uh, some cool things have happened. Uh, El Shaddai has actually donated 25 Bibles for Rick. Rick's in town. What town is he in right now? He's in Pasco, Washington, which is about four-hour drive for us east. He's in the okay. middle of the state. So we, you know, well, not me personally, but they, you know, Jeff has been rallying the troops and collecting stuff for Rick to take down to Peru. Actually, um, actually, it was my wife who she, okay, Michelle's she, she put something out there, and several women came on board, and they bought all this material, all these things that these young girls can use. So, uh, so they've got like this, yes, tactic and socks and what else? Well, there's bras and female stuff and. Uh, Others, uh, uh, now I can't think. Um, Whatever, sundry items for the girls. Yeah, there's um, there's something else too. Oh, hair ties, deodorant, toothbrushes, toothpaste. There's a lot of that kind of stuff that was put together by several women from El Shaddai Ministries just because my wife asked. And so there's several suitcases uh, that are now involved in getting okay. transported. And, so you... Uh, you understand, my husband does eBay shipping, and it costs an absolute fortune to mail stuff. In fact, all the rates doubled this past January. So yeah. we want to send Rick down there with suitcases so he doesn't have to have it shipped and go through customs and all that nightmare. But, it you know, obviously he can't just have one bag for 50 pounds. This is going to be overweight. So we need, we're trying to cover his expenses so that uh, he can go down there with all this wonderful stuff that's been uh, donated for him. So we're just asking everyone who's listening if you would consider helping out with that. And the best way to do it so we avoid all kinds of issues is to send, to send your donation to Jeff. Jeff S. Morton, if you go on his website, uh, there's a button. You just click on there and you can just donate and Jeff will make sure Rick gets the uh, the money so that he can just go down back down to Peru with well, everything. So the way this is going to work is we're, my wife and I are going to drive there with all of this stuff. El Shaddai is shipping the Bibles directly to Rick's home. Rick lives in, in uh, Pasco, Washington, and he comes home and spends time with his family, and then he goes back and he heads up the, the ministry. He's got a whole staff and everything down there. 
but um, and largely when he comes home to spend time with his wife, he's also looking for donations and people to help with the orphanage or their girls home. He hates the term orphanage. So we put together these things, or I should say my wife did. Now we're going to drive it there. It just so happens that it catches us. this catches us at a time when we don't have a lot of funds. So what we're going to do is scrape together our funds, and then we're going to drive it back there, and then we just need that, some additional funds to give to Rick so that he can get all this stuff through the airlines. And he has to take, like, four planes. But once he leaves country, he has to have all of the uh, luggage with him in order to get it in Lima, and then he's got to do some interesting things to get it to our keeper. So really, folks, if you have some extra money, just go to jeffsmorton.com, click on my About page, and uh, there's a tab on there, and, and you can make a contribution. All of it's going to go to him. Uh, I'm just not a nonprofit. And then if you, they do need other things, too. They need uh, shoes and uh, undergarments for the girls. We don't have a lot of that stuff. He's got 20 girls. Can you imagine putting underwear on 20 kids. <laughs> and then some. No, this is, you know, it, in terms of where you make donations, it, I always encourage people, you know, when it comes to your hard-earned cash, you need to give to places you know about personally. And so Jeff and I, I mean, we know. We can vouch for this is a great and worthy cause and, you know, just helping those girls you know, that's not like the U.S. There, you know, money's hard to come by, and, and supporting a ministry like this is difficult in that environment. So difficult. please, you know, if you have anything extra, it would, it would be great, and we would be, we, we'd be eternally grateful, and certainly Rick will. So uh, thanks in advance. And you also, just for the sake of saying it, he is a nonprofit, and their organization is Restoring Children International. You can go on there and make a donation for the house and the girls, but for our purposes, I've got to get this stuff transported to him and then give him the literally the cash money so that he can book all this stuff on the plane. So that's kind yeah. of why we're doing it that way, and I appreciate all of those <coughs> well, who would help with that effort. Yeah. And pardon me, I'm still coughing. I was coughing. I've got this cough. It won't go away. So uh, <laughs> if I cough during the show, please, I, I'm, I'm trying not to do it, but... Uh, it's just the way it is. Anyway, Dina, we're going to talk about image-bearing. We're going to jump back into the topic we talked about prior to having Dr. Chris Green on the program, and we appreciate it very much. That was actually a very good interview, folks. Yeah, you it can, really was. You, you can catch the archive at either one, either Dina's uh, website or my website, um, or also our podcast, Returning to Eden and Podomatic. But anyway, yeah. we wanted to jump back into image-bearing. And that, let me just say, I don't want people to get frustrated because, you know, we've done a little house cleaning here. This topic's probably going to go on for another week. So, yep, you know, sure. we'll just, however long it takes us to get through it, because we feel this particular topic is essential to understand. So we, we just barely scratched the surface the last time talking about Adam. What we have to remember about Adam Yet there are there are varying aspects to him. He yes, he's an individual person. Yes, he represents mankind. Yes, he's an archetype, and we're kind of looking at him now, I guess, in a more individual way. But remember, his his ministry was priest and king, and I can't emphasize that enough, especially with what we're going to talk about tonight. That you recognize his role and responsibility as king. Now he was to be a benevolent king, 
and a king to bring blessing and prosperity and, and prosperity and fruitfulness to the land in particular. Now, of course, he was exiled out of the garden, and I've talked before. The gar we have the garden pattern, but then there's this uh, area to the east of the garden, as you see the setup, and where he moves into the field. And so he's violated the commandments, but the, the commandments are the governing laws and regulations for the kingdom. It, you know, it's not just some commandments we just obey and, you know, we memorize them or whatever. These govern the kingdom of God. They're important, and that was how he was supposed to govern. He was supposed to walk in the commandments. Now, we'd, all we know is he violated a commandment not to eat from the tree. That doesn't mean there weren't others. <laughs> you know, we get stuck there. So, for, for you know, he violates that commandment, and he moves out from the image bearer that reflects the praises of God back into creation, out into the field, where he becomes like what is in the field, and what's in the field are the beasts. So he becomes as a beast. He looks like a beast. And it's interesting uh, when you think the, the the idea of the beasts are animal. They're without form. They're like the seas without form. And so he loses the s. His form isn't just his physical body. His form is what he does. His function as the king and priest. And that's, in essence, what he loses. And so when he moves out into the field, the new king on the block is now the beast. And so you, you all know we have lots of beast language running through the Bible, and in particular when we get to the book of Revelation. Typically when we're talking about beasts, we're talking about the kings and rulers of the nations because he has moved out into that sphere. So now, now we have this conflict between the two. And so we were just talking before we came on the air about the importance that, that we understand the importance of the king. He governed, he, he ruled in a political and social environment. You know, we hate that word and with good reason. But folks, you know, the concept of a king in politics has been there since the moment we had a king. And so what happened was when we hit the Age of Enlightenment, these two areas, the king socially, religiously, and politically, these two things completely separated. And we have a tendency today to think that's where everything began. So our goal is to go back and see, you know, just how did a king rule? And the, the main attributes were with justice and righteousness. And of course, that included mercy and compassion. So, um, Jeff, do you want to pick it up from, you know, kind of mention what we were talking about before we came on the air? Because it was well, really good. A couple of points, uh, too, is when we're talking about priest, the moment you hear the word priest in our culture, you hear a religious guy. You hear the guy right. who stands at the head of the church and uh, teaches. The concept of priest, and I looked this word up, I can't remember what it was specifically in Hebrew, but the word meant servant. So he is a king who is a vassal or an understudy of the great king. In other words, he brings forth the rules, the statutes, the commandments of the king, the Elohim, the God of creation. That's his job. But he's also a servant to the very job that he did. Adam, Abraham, or Aaron was a servant. Moses was more of a king type. He was a leading the people. And so I, wanted, I had an interesting conversation with a person today, and 
I'm going to challenge your mind here for a moment, everyone, because we have to kind of understand that if you just take the entire religious dia, diaphragm, the whole concept of a religious thing, and if you just put that on the shelf and then look at this as a kingdom, if you look at it from a kingdom perspective, then the king is not teaching theology. The king is not teaching doctrine. The king is not teaching uh, denominations. The king is not promoting Judaism or Hinduism or Islam or Christianity. The king is literally promoting the rules that govern the creation ordinance, the things that God commanded, the things that brought peace and freedom and wholeness to what is creation. And I was looking at some scriptures uh, to kind of reiterate this point. Genesis 5.22 it says, after the birth of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. But it says, after, after the birth of his child, he starts walking. And I looked that whole concept up, walking. And he kept God's commandments, God's statutes, his, his Torah, his instructions. The same is true with uh, Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Noah was just, and he was a just man, and perfect in, gen in his generation. But Noah walked with God. Genesis 26.5, and I love this verse. I've been stuck on this verse for 10 years, Dean, and I'm really starting to understand it now, where Abraham says, because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Abraham didn't build a bunch of churches. He didn't spend a lot of time doing exegesis. He simply looked at the commandments, the orders of the king, the great king, and that's what he followed, and that's what he emulated, and that was the image that he bared. Yeah, and let me we, just jump in here one second, because part of this image bearing, we talked about king and priest. You must remember that Adam was the first king and priest, right? And what we're following through the Bible is his line, the line of the king. These aren't just guys, they're kings. And we go from Adam and to Seth and down to Enoch and Lamech and into Noah and on to Abraham. This is the line of the kings. And so when they're walking with God as kings, they are benevolent kings, and they're extending that righteousness and justice out. What we do, unfortunately, over the years, is we, we equate these men as to people who followed, quote-unquote, Jesus, or followed God. And we have this religious framework that we kind of identify that with. But they're the image bearer. Right. of the kingdom of God. And so when we look at Adam, you know, whether he was taken out of the dust, and we believe that he was, we know that he was, like all people in terms of the archetype. But he was placed into a position where he had an expectation, and that expectation was to emulate the very things that Abraham emulated, that Noah emulated, that Job emulated. And he failed to do that. And so what happened? The kingdom is in chaos and or... Because of the template that God was establishing through Adam, now the kingdoms are no longer righteous. Dina, we talked about this when we first started this conversation. We're no longer righteous. Cain was not born into righteousness. He was born into chaos. He was born into sin, which is lawlessness. And so everything after the fact is lawless or against the order of the kingdom of God, and that's where we are today. And that is the kingdom of the beast. Like yes. you only got two camps here, you know, it's one or the other. And so this, the, again, this beast language is, are, are 
it's a language of, of those who, um, what's the word I want? Uh, we were talking about the concept of victims of tyranny, but this is what uh, tyrants do. <laughs> and so you're, you're either in a benevolent kingdom or you're in a kingdom under the tyrant who always oppresses. I mean, that's what they do. So we see the same thing in action today. We shouldn't be at all surprised and, and think that somehow this is different because the nature of man always takes us to that same place, the image of a beast. Right. One who has not been regenerated through forgiveness and repentance and restoration is a beast. Well, we could go one step further. When we say regenerated and accepted Jesus and accepted the blood and King David walked with God and all these different things, but what, it, what they all did was they aligned themselves to the commandments, the statutes, and the laws of the Lord. That's why Amen. in John, and when John writes in 14.21, 14.23, John 15.10, John 2.3, John 5.3, and so on and so forth, keep my commandments. In fact, I want to read Second John 1 through 6, or verse 1. Second John 1 6 it says, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments, not his exegesis, not his theology, not the doctrines. And I, I want to hit that point hard because I don't think there's anything wrong with those things unless they divorce us from our obligation. And here's the problem. They divorce us from our obligation. That's why you have Islam will never partner with Christianity. You have Judaism will never partner with Islam. And that's exactly the way the kingdom of hell operates. But under the kingdom of God, we're supposed to honor our neighbor. We're supposed to help our brother. We're supposed to rescue an animal that's fallen into a ditch. We're supposed to pray for our enemies. We're Amen. supposed to represent the image of righteousness, the image-bearing um, representation of God Almighty has to come from us. We can't do it if we're theologically Divided. broken. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, when you were talking, this just came to me. Never noticed it before. But you think about, okay, so we've moved out into the field. The field is the world. It's where we live. It's where we operate. we got to deal with beasts and all that sort of thing. And so we know Enoch walked with God. Yes. And Noah walked with God. And Abraham walked with God. Isn't it interesting, in the field, the man walks with God. But in the garden, God walks with the man. Yes. Yeah, Isn't I, that interesting? I, you know, I actually thought about that when I was oh. preparing for the show. Because I was thinking, well, did Adam walk with God? And the Bible says that no God walked, walked in the cool of the day. Yeah. It, with so, Adam in the garden. So there was a harmony between what God was asking Adam to do and Adam's response to it. You're not going to get harmony between the Catholics and the Protestants. You're not going to get that harmony. And that's why, you know, I want to say this in the last few minutes that we have today, and we're going to stay on this topic. I want to walk with you for a moment, you guys. I want you to listen to something. This is a proposition that I'm going to plant in your heads, and I've talked about this before, Dina and I talked about it. If you look at the Capitol building of the United States of America, this is the center of our government. So if something, God forbid, happened to the center of our government, that would mean chaos to this nation. Well, if we juxtapose that back to ancient Israel, 
when the temples were destroyed, and we are in the month of Av, and the ninth of Av is coming up, when they were de the government was destroyed, the political structure and the responsibility that all of those people who were elevated to protect the statutes, commandments, and laws of the Lord were wiped out. So the country was now discombobulated. It was scattered. It was a mess. So if the same thing happened to the United States of America, where the quote-unquote temple of this nation was destroyed, that's kind of the same thing. And the way that the Father set it up, you'll notice that almost every governing country in the world has a centralized government where they have a temple. They have a temple complex. They have a tabernacle where all of the authority of the government reaches out into the land. In this particular country, we have 50 states that are come in alliance to that system. In the, in, the, in, the, in the area of ancient Israel, we have 12 tribes that came under the headship of the nation of Israel. It's the same thing, folks. We're not different from our past. We're a product of the past. We just have to reconnect it back to the way the Father set everything up. And so, having said that, if we are all temple-related to the governments, the problem is the one leading all of the governments is against the kingdom of God. And so that's why you have the chaos. That's why you have the death. That's why you have the destruction. All of the things that represent the beast in the field, that's how all of the nations are governing but the template by which they govern is not something that that system created. The Father created the system. We're just serving the wrong master. Amen. And, you know, it's very interesting. While you were talking, it occurred to me, what, is, what happened with, with Christians over the last, say, 30 years, and, you know, it's longer, it is to escape the political realm. And look what has happened because we pulled ourselves out and we said, this is politics, it's dirty business, I don't want to get involved. And that's the complete opposite of operating in the kingdom. And because Absolutely. Christians have abdicated their responsibility, and you know, I'm not on a high horse here because I have my moments as well, but we've abdicated our role in the culture, in the marketplace, in society, because we want to escape, we don't want to deal with it, and now the whole thing is collapsing. And so God never, I real, and this is, I know this is a touchy subject, but I do believe we need to be involved in the realm. I know it's awful, <laughs> but if we don't speak up, uh, things are going to get a whole lot worse. And, and I'm, you know, sometimes I wonder if it's not too late. Well, but it's, it's even worse, Dina, because we, we've taken ourselves out of yeah, the completely. law of God. We, yeah, we've, yeah. we've said that that's legalism. And because we are not practicing the laws of the kingdom of God, we have, we have what we call a loss of law. It's lawlessness, what yeah. we're witnessing. It's yeah. unbelievable. But it's not just the Christians. It's any one group of people that disregards the creator's governance and his system. If we walk away from that, I love how it was once said, the further we get from the things of God, the less human we become. We become we beasts. We become beasts. Exactly. And yes, because is, that's the yes. thing Adam lost when he was exiled from the garden. He lost his humanity. And so because we've been regenerated, 
And because by our faith in Messiah and his death and his burial and his resurrection, our humanity has been restored. And so the things that go with that humanity should be operating in us and in the kingdom. And so the expression of, of love for our neighbor and uh, taking care of the widows and orphans and whatever, however that manifests itself, that should be our M.O. That That's is our obligation. Yeah. If we're not doing those things, then the light of the kingdom of God is dimmed. Yeah. And that's the problem. And I'm not saying that people aren't doing that because there are a lot of people oh, yes. doing that. Yeah. But the there country is a lot. as a whole is not. So in closing, I just want you to kind of think, and I know Dina's in the same place. We're Dina, Di, and I are in the same place in a lot of, a lot of areas, guys. <laughs> She's helped me to understand these last ten years when I've been saying, I don't see the Bible from a Christian lens. Okay, Jeff, how do you see the Bible? Well, I don't see the Bible as a religious book at all. I see it as a historical account of the building of a kingdom. I see the template of every nation in this earth ordained by God. I just see the wrong leaders sitting at the helm. And I get that. Well, and let me just add that I don't look at the Bible from a, quote, Jewish, modern Jewish lens either. And, a you know, so it, it is written to the Israelites in a culture and context but they, you know, they're not, quote, Jewish in the way we see it today. They are ancient Near East people, and that's a whole different culture. And so that actually is the lens we are supposed to be using, trying to get back to the time. You know, what did that look like then? So, Dino, we're out of time. <laughs> Aren't we always? <laughs> we really appreciate the folks that are staying with us and all of the archive listeners. We want you to know that. But we're going to keep talking about this because – the ideal is to go back to the garden and understand yeah. that the temple in the garden was a place of governance. And, and we, we want our resources. humanity back. Yes. And, yeah. we, and we believe. And we, I want us to close with one final statement. The death and burial and resurrection of the Messiah was to guarantee, guarantee that the kingdom of God was coming to this earth. Amen. So on that note, Dina, we'll see you next week. Next week, yeah. God bless yeah. you guys. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.